we want to go where Noster needs us next. And if there's a Japanese community that we want to expand and support to help take on Asia and give some free speech to people in Asia, like, let's do it. Welcome back to Beyond the Price, a podcast from CoinPost that goes beyond the flashing numbers to explore how Bitcoin fits into the global economy and how real people and real companies are actually using it, especially in Asia. My guest this time is Alex McShane, organizer of the Bitcoin conference and a partner at Lightning Ventures, but most recently the organizer of the upcoming Nostrasia conference in Tokyo. This episode is a little different in that it's not primarily about Bitcoin. It's about a relatively new invention called Noster. But like Bitcoin, Noster falls in this category of what some call freedom technology or using decentralization to prevent censorship and control. It's not a cryptocurrency or a blockchain, but it is a decentralized network of relays run by individuals and companies. Noster is an acronym for notes and other stuff transmitted by relays. And if Bitcoin is a way to transact without fear of censorship, then Noster is a way to communicate without fear of censorship. So there's this philosophical alignment between the Bitcoin community and the Noster community, even if the technologies aren't directly connected. And as we'll see, there are some very cool ways to connect Bitcoin and Noster directly. Now you might think, Bradley, I don't need another way of sending messages. I already have five apps on my phone for sending messages. But Noster is a lot bigger than just a new way to send messages. Because when you boil it down, most of the internet consists of sending messages or data of some type. But right now, most of our online experiences are in permissioned, closed source environments. You can post on places like Facebook or Twitter, but the companies determine the algorithms that dictate who sees your post. If you want to leave and go somewhere else, you have to build up your social network again from scratch, which keeps many of us using platforms that we don't really like, that optimize for outrage and addiction to keep us on the platform seeing ads rather than optimizing for our mental health. But what if you had an open network where anyone could build the experiences they want? And if you want to move from one experience to another, you don't lose your social graph because it's all the same back end. You're just choosing a different interface, a different algorithm, a different way of displaying and curating the posts and other data. Okay, so why am I talking about this now? Well, one reason is that our so-called Web2 experiences seem to be getting worse and worse. Twitter clickbait has been dialed up to 11 as people try to max out impressions because they get paid for it now in some cases. And every other week, Elon makes some tweak to the interface or algorithm that, well, it feels arbitrary at best. Things like Instagram and TikTok are optimizing for addiction, and even Reddit is making some fairly heavy-handed changes that leave users in the lurch. Another reason is that the things built on Noster are getting pretty good. They were clunky at first and required some figuring out that wasn't always intuitive, but they're getting smoother and smoother. Of course, they're not as easy as the apps we're used to, and they don't suck you in in the same way, but I think we're starting to see that that's a feature, not a bug. Right now, people aren't coming to Noster for the user convenience. They're coming because they can't be canceled, and they can choose what kinds of algorithms and interfaces they want dictating what they see. But the user experience is getting better and better. For example, on the web, you have clients like Iris and Primal that are fairly Twitter-like. Uh, on iOS, you have Damas. On Android, you have Amethyst. And other than Twitter-type experiences, you have things like Habla.news, which is for long-form posts like Medium, uh, or even something Alex told me about in this interview, Zap.stream, which is like Twitch. And finally, on November 1st through 3rd, 
there'll be a Noster conference called Nostrasia in Tokyo and Hong Kong. So that's why I sat down with Alex, as he's one of the organizers, to talk about the event. Actually, Edward Snowden and Jack Dorsey will speak. In fact, Jack Dorsey is paying for the whole event, so clearly this is something he cares about a lot. It's going to be amazing, and if you go to noster.world, you can find everything you need to know. But listen to this conversation first, because we cover a lot of basics. Uh, one final note on pronunciation. I've been saying Noster for a while. You can tell I'm going back and forth, because Alex says Noster, so I, I uh, started saying Noster during the interview because I'm easily influenced. I don't know. Maybe I'll say Noster now, if I remember. Anyway, let me know what you think of this episode, and I hope you enjoy. All right, I'm here with Alex McShane, organizer of the Noster Unconference. Alex, thanks for being here. Great to join you. Thanks for having me, Brad. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, so I listened to your interview with uh, Dash from Tokyo Citadel, and uh, I definitely encourage everyone to check that one out. Um, you guys talked about your background there, so I don't want to tread too much of the same ground, but... Uh, you're involved in, in a ton of stuff, even more than, than I realized. So uh, uh, I'll just mention, uh, along with being the organizer of the upcoming uh, Noster Gathering, you're also director of programming at the Bitcoin Conference. You're a, a partner at Lightning Ventures. And actually, Mike was uh, my first Bitcoin guest back when uh, CoinPost had me interviewing nice. a bunch of crypto projects. So, so really grateful for that. Yeah, let's go. Mike's fun. Yeah, yeah, that was a blast. Um, you also edited Safety in a Moose's books, including the Bitcoin standard. I, I didn't realize that. That must have been like a hell of an introduction to the Bitcoin space. Yeah, it really was. It's kind of, uh, I was like getting into it and I, um, listening to a lot of, at that time, uh, I don't know, like really hardcore maxi. So I was kind of steered the right direction, but I started just cold reaching out to all of these different people in Bitcoin looking for work. And uh, I don't know, Safety picked up the phone, so worked out well. Yeah, that's wild. Um, so I, I do want to ask you about your your background, but I guess to give it kind of a, a narrative focus, because um, not many people get into Bitcoin, and then even fewer people, even among Bitcoiners, get into Noster. So mm -hmm. what do you think the experiences were uh, throughout your life, whether it's Bitcoin related or, or even before that, that made you the type of person who would get into Noster in, in such an active way? Hmm. I think people generally are like always running away from something and running towards something else. And like the, uh, I guess theme of my life has been running towards greater freedom, whether that's like freedom with my time, financial freedom, freedom of speech. Um, but also I wasn't very much a technical person for a really long time. Um, still not super technical when it comes to computers. I missed everything. I didn't really have an online presence. I didn't do anything online. I didn't really use the internet. I was like a book nerd. I just read like physical books and wrote and just used my computer for writing basically for like a decade. Um, and I kind of felt not like ashamed, but I knew that I was missing like a pretty big experience that was happening online in, in literally every domain, you know, dot com bubble, everything. Um, and I kind of wanted to learn what the open internet um, could be like and find a way. I mean, so as I like got more into Bitcoin and become kind of more and more online, you start to notice these really um, unpleasant problems with your experience on traditional social media platforms, for example. 
Um, you face a lot of problems with censorship for really innocuous things. I mean, just, um, you know, pretty tepid opinions can get you banned on Twitter. I experienced that <laughs> a lot. Um, and I don't know when Noster presented itself, obviously there's big cultural buy-in, like pretty cool players heading over there, checking it out. And those are the people I trust. Cause I want to learn more about the internet at the protocol level and how maybe we could have gotten it right or how we could change things so that they're free and open source and available to people and not captured by these weird unnatural entities that are corporations that really disenfranchise users and um and surveil them um so it's kind of it's kind of both running away from the surveillance anti-free speech aspect and running toward this future that we want for the world um which has more open source tooling i think for for everyday people it involves them making at least in my vision um considering the trade-offs of turning in their uh all of their privacy for convenience you know um yeah i hope that answered your question yeah absolutely so let's uh let's get into noster then um because it's it's always so hard to explain and i had this thought the other day that uh that truly revolutionary things are always hard to explain because they challenge the very concepts that we reference when we explain things so like with noster you could say it's it's kind of a new social media, but then people think, oh, a new app, a new company yeah. to make an account with, to, to give my data to. Um, and that's not right. But if you see it's if you say that it's deeper than that, that it's new at, at the protocol layer, people don't really get that because we don't really think about protocols because the current Internet experience is already so built up. Um, so captured. That we don't think about yeah. the foundations that unless unless maybe you're like an engineer who deals with that. So, right. so how do you explain Noster to people? I don't know. I don't really have a good <laughs> canned answer. It kind of depends on the person. I think, you know what I mean? Like, I just see people's eyes glaze over when I start talking about most anything. So it's like, yeah. I might as well tell them what it is. It's a communications protocol that's free and open source that allows you, basically works off uh, JSON. <laughs> it's pretty simple. But the, the power is that it's not a centralized server. Um, I guess I like to explain to people that it's not total, like, I guess, like 4chan, like free speech, like hateful place, because it's not even really a place. You can have like multiple instances of Noster, like you and I could conduct this conversation over our own private um, relays that are talking to each other. So it's more like it's a tool that we're trying to figure out where it fits in the world and what problems it can solve. And I think like the potential for it's incredibly high um, because it does, it, it does have this ability to kind of shift and change and not be captured because it's distributed. Um, we're not ro like running servers in Elon's house where, you know, I run my relay at my house. Mm. Um, I get to choose to broadcast what I want. Um, and if you don't want to hear it, you can, uh, you know, um, maybe connect to a paid relay that would like mark what I'm saying as spam or something and filter me out. Uh, you could moderate at the client level. Um, so on the surface, the, the, the thing I don't want to say is that it's a social media protocol because mm. 
I think we see a lot of that early. That's the easy bag. Like, oh, let's rebuild Twitter. Let's rebuild Facebook. Let's rebuild, you know, Instagram. Um, I don't think that rebuilding Web 2 on Nostra is a success. Like, that is not that we our ambition should be much higher than that. Um, you know, I think I think there's just so many applications and and instances of middleware that could be built around this. And the one I'm really waiting for is like a marketplace. Um, oh, you know, Silk Road on, on steroids, basically. They right. can't be shut down. Um, yeah, yeah. CivKit's Civ Kit's working on something like that. But it's, I don't know. It's just a, it's a very high potential protocol that anyone in the world can decide to work on. And if you don't like um, a client, maybe you don't like, Domus, maybe it's not your cup of tea. You can go pick another client or you can go build another client and nobody can stop you. Um, and there seems to be agreement so far among these clients that they're not really going to collect any data on users. So it's a very liberating experience. Yeah, I downloaded Domus and uh, it's it's shocking that first screen where uh, no, most apps, they show you the permissions that you need to give and the data they collect. And it's this long list of things that you don't read. You just accept it. I think Domus right. was the first app I've ever seen where it, it doesn't collect any data whatsoever. Same. Yeah, I had never seen it before. I, I remember just screenshotting it. I was like, that is so cool. Um, so nice. I think, I don't know. We've kind of made our own kind of headquarters to develop Nostra out of like it's our own kind of insular community of users that are communicating with each other but I think these edge cases and like instantiations of the protocol are really what's going to send it and they're going to take a little bit more time to build the, the the problem is that people are used to a flawless experience when you go online mm. I mean very amazing instantaneous beautiful perfectly designed catered experience and we, we don't have that kind of um capital to deliver that experience in Nostra yet and it's not clear that these open source devs want to make the trade-offs that come i mean to their you know this is not a knock on them at all it's actually quite noble they don't want to take a lot of vc some will some won't but many of them it seems don't want to raise a bunch of money and be directed by you know vcs um so they're going to build from the ground up. So it's really like this grassroots uh, movement of, yeah, like you said, mostly Bitcoiners. But the weird thing is all the Bitcoiners aren't there. Yeah. Most of the Bitcoiners aren't there. They don't they don't want to even want to try it. And I don't understand why. I think they were burned by Mastodon and like Blue Sky and all these other kind of fake uh, distributed technologies. Yeah. And I think also Bitcoiners, the thing they care about the most is money. And I think that's that's kind of what sets them apart from the rest of crypto. I mean, there's probably any number of things you could go into. But what I've been thinking is that the, the key difference is that Bitcoiners just care about the nature of money way more than anyone else, um, a lot more than any kind of technology thing. So then I think maybe a lot of them look at Noster and they see it as a tech thing more than a mm. more than a money thing. Even though for me, like the connection between um, uh, freedom to transact and, and freedom to communicate or free speech, um, like like many people have made the argument, they go hand in hand. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, it's interesting to hear you say that out loud because I think in, in my just hopeful vision for the present and the future, it's not a world where Bitcoiners are just like obsessed with money and getting rich. It's one where they're actually obsessed hmm. with um, self-sovereignty and uh, freedom to do what they want with their money and to not get called money launderers and terrorists just for wanting a little bit of privacy in their transactions. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're, you're definitely right, man. Uh, I think, you know, they come for the, they come for the number go up, but they say they stay for the freedom and the tech. So it's like, well, if Bitcoin's freedom of speech, I mean, Noster's right there with it, you know, and these look, maybe we'll find a new solution to Tor. I mean, I think people need to double down on these. It's kind of a red flag to me that the focus of the narrative, well, that it is a narrative driven focus. Our attention span is very short as a Bitcoin culture. Mm. Right now, we're very focused on these ETFs that are arguably bad <laughs> for the protocol in some ways. Good for your bags, maybe bad yeah. for state capture and self-sovereignty and spreading you know, adoption and, and scaling. Yeah, I mean to be clear, I when I say Bitcoiners care about money, um, mm -hmm. I mean more that they they care about what money is uh, more than uh, just they care about getting more money. Um, yeah. Although, like you say, a lot of people do come for that, uh, myself included, and then uh, hopefully stay for something else. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Well, maybe it'll just take a little bit more time then, because it's really not such a far leap at all if you're. If you've learned the skill set of private public key management, you know, why not put it to use in the Noster domain? It's it takes two seconds. It's far faster to try Noster than it is to try to get a Facebook account, you know, try to get an X account, pay yeah, whatever amount of dollars it is now, send a photo of yourself, your ID, your home address, your email, whatever they're requiring these days. It's there's nothing required of you except a little bit of time. So it's worth the experiment, I think. That'd be my call to action for Bitcoiners. You got to try it. Got to try Noster. Yeah, Bitcoiners are used to public and private keys. But even other people, I think maybe the terminology is a little bit scary. Public key, private key. But really, it's just like username and password, right? Somewhat. Yeah, you're kind of stuck on that password, though. You don't really get to change it uh, if you're, you, you know right. what I mean? It's. It's a little, I don't know, I haven't really thought about the correct way to get people to adopt that, but it's it's a unique experience. So for me, it's people that are genuinely kind of curious people that understand it first and are like, oh yeah, I'll give this the two minutes of attention to try it. And then they say, whoa, this is really cool. You know, dig a little deeper. But the monetary incentive really helps people get over that hurdle. So if you can send them, you know, 10, 20 bucks over lightning. Okay. You know, you post their lightning address on Noster, your LN URL, and suddenly they're getting blown up with, uh, basically small tips from strangers. Maybe it'll push them over the edge, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of Bitcoin to be made on Noster. I mean, to be honest, there's been probably almost 12 Bitcoin transacted over the network so far. Wow. In the last year, over over very few users. So if you're putting things out there, there's not a day that goes by that we're not getting zapped and people aren't sending and receiving Bitcoin for their content. So it, it's a great model. Um, yeah, value for value. Yeah, I've definitely noticed that if I, if I put something up that's uh, 
a little a little more thought out than the average uh average <laughs> post then uh people will very readily show their appreciation by sending some sats over um i i always feel like i'm i don't do a good job of that i don't i don't uh zap people enough when i appreciate their posts but uh yeah people are really good about like showing their appreciation directly which i think gives me a lot of optimism for uh um like content creation going forward where we can Mm -hmm. hopefully cut out the advertisers in a lot of cases especially with media because i think media has been warped so much by the advertising incentive and if we could get back to more of a subscription model but like a frictionless subscription model where you just pay for the the content that you actually want then i think that could do a lot of good in the world exactly um like i was telling you just before we were recording um i i started a little podcast for fun with some of my friends and we uh we're on zap.stream, Noster-based um, streaming service, and also YouTube and Rumble. And we've made far more money on zap.stream than any of the other platforms. In the short, I think we've been doing it two or three weeks. Um, yeah, people are very... And it's not because we're particularly good at what we're doing or anything. It's just that I think the Bitcoin community is eager to use Bitcoin and show that like economic signal is like real proof of work. It means more than the virtue signal of a like. So if you have, if you're running Noster on an iPhone, if you can get in the test flight for Domus, you can be one of the last standing zaps only mode people. So I don't have the option to like posts. I can only zap people to show appreciation. It's, it's awesome. It's fun to use Bitcoin, you know? Yeah, I think that's a good feature because it uh, puts people in the mindset of not just like meaningless actions, like liking a post. Um, if if it's if it's worth something, then you send something that's also worth something. If it's not, then uh, then you don't. It's really cool. You mentioned Zap.Stream, which was new to me. Um, but I think, yeah, let's let's get into these different things that are being built on top of Noster, because that's one of the key elements that anyone can build on it, unlike, um, say, something like Facebook or Twitter. People can just build permissionlessly. So what what types of things are you seeing built on top of it that maybe either imitate the the current Web2 experience or are, are totally new? Well, one hilarious example. So FinCEN didn't officially adjust their reporting requirements on mixers, but it seems clear that they want to go after them in in some capacity. So someone spun up this like Noster tool that allows you to spam. I don't know if it's the IRS or FinCEN. I don't know where these are going, but they're basically in a period where they're like, we'll take 90 days of comments from the public on this attack on crypto and Bitcoin mixers that we're planning. So now we can very easily just spam their inbox with all the reasons why they shouldn't. Um, so that's like a super fun. And that was whipped up overnight. Like this news didn't come out. It came out yesterday. <laughs> so I was pretty excited about that. But we, I had a friend build a, uh, a DM tool that allowed me to DM all the speakers at Nostrasia at once with just a click of a button, you know, a message, like a logistical message. Um, 
that was kind of fun. Obviously not the most appealing use case, but it's just kind of testament to the creative culture of the devs um, and how willing they are to just try things and sort of build new tools. You know, you've got, um, you've got Pablo's data vending machines, which I'm going to be honest, I don't fully understand, but integrating kind of AI and querying and, um, all sorts of different like middleware branches. I know Rabble is working on something interesting for basically institutional white label Noster clients that would allow, for an example, Nike to make a Noster, an entire ecosystem of Noster users that don't even know they're using Noster. They think they're on Hmm. like sneakerhead net and they're only talking to fellow sneakerheads and it's this closed world of no and a very catered you know, white label experience. So you could you could imagine a lot of use cases there. I was saying the, the one I'm really excited about is a marketplace. And I'd be really excited. I've bought a lot of Bitcoin on Noster, um, non, non-KYC. And it would be interesting to see some apps and services, I don't know, investigate options there. I'm sure there's there's more kind of use cases and more ways to discreetly transact. Um, that could use the, you know, basically the user profile tokens. Um, hmm. But yeah, marketplace, something like CivKit really, really sounds like the dream to me. I'm interested to see that come to light. But right now I'm kind of like day to day, it's like zapped out stream and the social clients are the ones that I'm using. Yeah, I know there's one called Habla.news, which is kind of like a medium experience. I'm not sure how they do that, whether they just filter all the short posts so it's just like like uh posts of a certain length that go there or maybe you you have to specifically designate that it's uh that it's for Habla rather than well it's a different kind of post a long form post so it's a different kind of event so you can filter that way um but yeah that's that's a super cool that's a super cool example um Oh wow! I didn't even see this. Looks like there's a bunch of bunch of big posts here lately. I think um, highlighter is a pretty fun one. You know, you can save bits of text as you read around the internet and scroll Noster and repost them and reuse them. But I think you'll see most of the uh, internet products and services that we're really used to and that we need in our lives get built here pretty pretty quickly. I mean, there's there's no end of things that need to be built. And uh, yeah, like I said, it's going to be these, I think these edge cases where we're going to unlock kind of a, an internet altering capability here. Yeah, like you said, uh, at this point, probably most of it is like Web2 being replicated on Noster, uh, which makes sense. Uh, I think it was... Uh, an interview with Bill Gates where he was talking about the internet and how the first use cases are going to be like, like putting a newspaper online or, or putting radio online. And, uh, I think, uh, David Letterman gave him some shit for that. Like, well, we already have all those things. Why do we need the internet? Um, which is crazy to hear now because it's Mm -hmm. just such a part of our lives. But I think, yeah, the, the traditional, use cases come first and then from there we we start discovering what more we can do and and uh get into 
online gaming or or uh that's another good yeah, one any, yeah any number of things that yeah there are some there are some gaming clients that exist yeah that are kind of interesting i was wondering about the timeline i saw on my profile i think i made my account february of this year but uh when did you get into Noster? Well, for when when was it made? When did anyone start getting into Noster? And then when did when did you discover it? I think it was first proposed by Fiat Jeff like a year and a half before that December influx of users. Um, so it would be twenty twenty one sometime between like Ben Ark and a couple other people were super early and throwing around ideas about it, but no one, no user base. I mean, nobody was, nobody was using it yet. Um, mm -hmm. In December, I think Jack brought a lot of people. Um, I joined in Jack December. Dorsey, yeah. yeah, yeah. His, I, he must have tweeted about it or something because it just flooded Noster with new users and excitement. And then other big kind of event-driven adoption inflows, Snowden joining, um, I actually got Stella Assange and Gabriel Shipton to join. That's Julian Assange's brother mm. and, um, and wife. And that brought like new interest and new users. But I think the Nostra event itself actually brought new users, but we have a hard time with retention and we have a admittedly hard time with content. It's all Bitcoiners and they're, they're all just talking about Bitcoin, which is great. <laughs> But that's that's not only uninteresting, but like actively repulsive to like average people that yeah. you think about all the insecurities your average kind of person grew up with around money. It's not some it's a taboo. I mean, you don't you don't really talk about it. You don't really get into the strat unless you're like a financially oriented person. But for the most people, it's just kind of this quiet suffer and silence struggle type thing. Bitcoiners are very, you know, loud and proud and, and knowledgeable and like fairly well educated about it among other populations. So I think the issue is we need like a diversity of content. Um, and I think the more people start to post about other things, the more they'll build up their own kind of small communities and, and places where people feel interested and safe and camaraderie and you know they'll have a better experience i've noticed it comes in bursts of like great activity everyone's having a great time then things die down and then there's some new um feature is introduced to nostr to one of the clients and everybody's using it and then it kind of tailors back down so i think it's going to be i think it's going to be a long haul but i think we're growing at exactly the right pace um it's kind of like uh, when when Bitcoin started. You don't you don't want it to go too fast. You don't want to hurry up and break things. Like yeah, the people that are here, for the most part, like to be here. The ones that show up consistently. So that's that's a nice thing. And we can't go backwards. I mean, it's important to remember. Like <laughs> this is as good as it will be in terms of like a cheerful, constructive, optimistic experience. The more people that flood this network, the more conflict. It's just the nature of people. So it, it will resemble something closer to Twitter. The benefit of Nostra over Twitter, if you have people posting really pessimist, you know, beheaded kids every day, like war video. I don't know about you, but my timeline on Twitter is it's like unwatchable. It's just such negativity. Hmm. Nostra 
provides a solution and algorithmic choice um, there. So you're going to be able to like choose between different clients that make different decisions about what comes down the feed. But you yourself ideally will be able to just pick and choose what kind of algorithms you want. Um, and they'll be open source, not like pseudo open sourced and shadow banned. Um, there, there, there will be competitors, I think, in the client space that adhere to that true open source decentralized nature of the thing, which can allow you to curate your experience um, in some ways. I mean, user choice, that's, that's basically all we're after when it comes down to it. If you're talking about Nostra in a social media uh, sense, we, we just want user choice. Yeah. Some people talk about wanting to get away from algorithms altogether, and um, maybe that'll work for some people. But uh, I think, yeah, more than more than getting away from any curation whatsoever, it's much more about having that choice, not being forced to just take in whatever uh, the company's algorithm serves up to you. I think that was actually I uh, early on when I joined noster i was posting and jack actually replied to one of my posts which i mean even that was like what (laughs) (laughs) like so surprising compared to these uh um more established platforms where i mean yeah that would probably never happen um but yeah i think he talked about like like it is possible because i was kind of uh complaining about algorithms and and uh he said it is it is possible to design better algorithms. And uh, the important thing is that people can choose which one they want. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't want to dive into it as if we already have them. As far as I know, they don't really exist. But we've already had some interesting things happen on Nostra where clients have instituted basically algorithms that prevent people from trending or keep people trending you might have noticed on some clients you've got the same voices again and again and again it's Mm -hmm. like well these are just the top five biggest accounts like how annoying is that as much as i do Mm -hmm. love them and want to know what they have to say like i need some discoverability here yeah and that feedback was taken into account like the users i mean they didn't all out revolt they just they gave the feedback some of them you know in maybe more charitable ways than others but regardless the um the feedback loop is complete and alive and well, you're never going to get that on Twitter. They don't give, they don't, they don't care at all. What what, what you have to say about the platform, your feedback goes completely unheard into the void. They're beholden to their advertisers. Um, And, and maybe a little bit, uh, you know, their shareholders and those subscribing to, to, to X, but. Speaking of top down decisions, uh, there was a big, incident on reddit recently where i I think they introduced some crypto tokens a few years ago yeah uh, but then they decided to wind down that project and people had either invested in the tokens or they had just been super active for the incentive of earning those tokens and then they just got wiped out overnight uh i know that uh some people have been posting on reddit trying to get those users to come to noster instead yeah, um, yeah. It has that been successful? Uh, what do you think of that idea? I don't know. This is kind of one of like the event-driven adoption 
things that I was talking about. Um, yeah, I saw Derek made a really cool post and he's, he's really good at making kind of, um, passionate calls to action from users. And I, I don't know whether it worked. I mean, I wasn't particularly paying attention to user counts over the last few days, but I think that most of the users of Reddit today would have a really hard time stomaching <laughs> Noster. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've been on Reddit lately, but it is just a yeah, woke, yeah, woke behemoth, and it is it is hard to swallow. I mean, like even our Bitcoin is nothing like it used to be. This used to be the core community. I mean, outside yeah. of the forums for Bitcoin communication, now it's just like the worst advice you've ever heard. <laughs> and really, it's, I don't know, Reddit's really just falling apart, man. I don't know what the solution is there. I hope they find Noster, but if I'm being realistic, I think those people have a couple touch points before they can get to it. This is kind of my big thing. I think like I've introduced family members to Noster. Some have used it, some have not. Um, but the important thing is they have a uh, touch point and familiarity with it. And now when they when they see it, it occasionally does make headlines. They go, oh yeah, that thing. And they hmm. get a little more interested. I don't know about you, but this was my basically like orange pilling experience. It happened over the course of years of getting little bits yeah. of information, whether true or not, about a thing. I don't know what the word is, but there's like, there's so much stuff that we just don't know. You have to let something into your universe of discourse. It takes a while to kind of, um, I don't know, to cook there until you've got some like a coherent vision and then, and then you can try it. So it might take a couple of years, I think for the Reddit users, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I think it was. Uh, a college classmate's presentation on the dark web, which mentioned Silk Road, um, also mentioned Bitcoin. And then maybe like a year or two later, I read that story about the guy who was searching through the garbage dump for his hard drives oh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. he had a bunch of Bitcoin on them and, and the price Poor skyrocketed. Guy. And then maybe the third was like this guy uh, telling me about this ICO this token and and that was that was the thing i mean as ah. as like lame as that sounds in hindsight yeah. that was the the third touch point that kind of pushed me over the edge that's cool i think i don't know what were my three i have a really clear memory um when i was in high school of my friend might have even been in middle school i don't know what year it would have been but i was i had a really computer savvy tech nerd friend who was like a developer from a young age and he was explaining bitcoin mining to me and i thought he was talking about like minecraft like i did not understand <laughs> at all what he was talking about uh and then a few years later i actually used bitcoin in high school on the silk road oh wow. um to purchase yeah to purchase drugs with my friends <laughs> uh but i didn't understand it um at all and i didn't care about it and it to me it was just this thing that was in the way of me using this marketplace it was just like okay this is like a weird paypal alternative thing that and you had to use paypal at the time to even complete the bitcoin transaction hmm. it was very strange um it was a totally different experience than it is now and it didn't stick with me at all like i never used it again for another couple of years but without those first two experiences you know and you know hearing about it in the news every four years when you get the little price spike i don't know some touch points touch points small bites yeah i think yeah people there 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. And that's probably what it'll be with with a lot of these Reddit users as well. It's funny you mentioned that Reddit uh, has changed a lot. I, I, I have the same experience. Um, back in the day, it seemed like people talked about it like this, this uh, right wing cesspool um, type of place. Uh, but yeah, now I mean, maybe, I always wonder because I do go on it occasionally, mostly just to look at like, are uh, funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always wonder if if my experience is like highly curated, not by me, but just by right. reinforcing the things that I tend to watch a lot. So I, I'm wondering if like someone else's experience is totally different. But it's interesting that you say it's it's the same for you. So so it probably is a, a much different user base. Yeah, it. I guess that's a fair point. To be fair, I'm not a huge Reddit user. Um, I have also go there for entertainment and funny stuff now and then. But I think just I'm speaking about my experience on our Bitcoin itself. It oh, seems right. to me that. Yeah. And with the moderation on these different forums, like it, it feels like the company was infiltrated with activists, which is hmm. like, <laughs> that's like most giant corporations at this point. Yeah. You know, um, who are making decisions that I don't know for better or worse. I mean, they're going to get market feedback eventually, but this is, this is similar to what I feel happened at Twitter in some levels. Um, certainly Facebook. Actually, Meta is a really interesting one because you've got Zuckerberg making this weird based right wing kind of personal midlife crisis turn. And the Mm. company is still just like fully left aligned. So I'm wondering if he's going to just like wake up one day, get divorced and just change Meta completely or what's (laughs) what the future is there. Yeah. Yeah. I think someone made the point that there's very few of these tech companies left where the original founder is still the the leader. So often when you have someone else come in, they're more of a maintainer. Um, maybe because they feel yeah. they feel a bit uh, intimidated, like taking on this thing that's someone else's and it was a huge success and then they're coming in and they're not going to just change everything. They're just going to kind of stay the course. Whereas with, uh, with Meta, you still have the original founder at the helm so maybe it can pivot more sharply than other platforms it's pretty wild and when you look at the most disruptive founders they've in some ways kind of non-traditional out-of-the-box thinkers so sometimes they're not always the best person to lead a company you know Mm -hmm. and the incentives get screwy when they take on hundreds of millions of venture capital uh in VC money and they don't have any revenue yet. <laughs> like that's become standard. Yeah. I can't tell you how many deals I see where it's like, yeah, we're going to value this at a hundred million. I'm like, but you haven't made a penny. <laughs> what? How is that? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. And they'll just dead eyed say, well, it didn't deter any of the other investors. And yeah. It's like, well, they're going to lose all their money, you know? <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird game out there. So, what I'm happy about is that Nostr is in some ways immune to that because it's not captured by a company. We're not beholden to any VCs. Um, people could just go and build as they please. And, you know, maybe certainly there are going to be 
you know, kind of companies and founders that come in and make the an experience that's probably antithetical to what we wanted. But the point is you have, it's a protocol, not a platform. So you have market choice. You can just leave, uh, which is great. You can go to a new client. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm glad you mentioned that a bit about investing because, uh, yeah, you mentioned, uh, mentioned it earlier that Nostra developers are kind of hesitant to take funding. Um, so I was, I wanted to, to ask about that, um, where, like how you see Nostra developing, and especially with your experience as a as a VC with Lightning Ventures, um, I can really relate to the mentality of not wanting to take in a bunch of money on on promises of the future, like preferring to build slowly and mm. sustainably, and not taking massive amounts of risk. But at the same time, I can see that that's not really how the current world, the current internet was built. Uh, so what do you think mm -hmm. the, the, the right way to move forward is? Well, I, I would say that, I mean, some of the clients that have taken the most amount of money so far on Noster are like the worst. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're the worst, the laggiest, terrible user experience. Um, that's not all of them. I'm not trying to bash anyone in particular. I'm just saying, yeah, incentives, right? The ones who have kind of stayed humble, focused on their mission, who are just purely in it for the build, like what can this tech do? What can this protocol do? Those are the people that they're turning down millions. I mean, everybody wants to give them. I remember I remember Will in Costa Rica, you know, there's like maybe like 200, maybe fewer people in the audience, but all diehard Nostra users that have traveled there to see him and like a handful of other people talk and he's just kind of curious or some, no, someone asked on his behalf, who would pay to use this client? And there was not a person in the room who didn't <laughs> raise their hand hmm. and Will's just like tearing up. And it's incredible because this is someone who has, you know, put in the work and now has deferred consumption uh you know what i mean deferred like just taking on massive amounts of money in the mm. way that he could have um but you get rewarded in other ways for that like there are grants out there you've got open sats doing god's work giving out you know millions in funding to people building pretty small projects like it's pretty impressive the amount of people in the space that are getting funded you know jack donated a lot of money um i i think Fiat Jaff um, gives people grants from time to time for money that he's gotten. So it's just it's just nice that there is another way. But at the same time, you're going to have that really hyper competitive person that comes from a traditional, uh, more traditional tech background that's going to know I have a shortcut. Like I'm going to get you know a quick five million in the bank here, hmm. uh, value the company at twenty five million, and we'll figure the rest out later. Um, yeah, it's like you said, it's the promise of future. Maybe they'll deliver, maybe they won't, but I've noticed those seeking the most money are kind of lacking. Um, yeah, compared to those that are in it really with their hearts and souls, you know, really yeah. putting in proof of work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned Nostrica. Um, so yeah, let's get into these events. Uh, tell me, well, okay, first of all, I've been seeing this word unconference, Noster unconference. Um, and at first I thought it was like yeah, something yeah, yeah. unique to, to Noster. Um, 
to be subversive, but then I started seeing it other places. So, so what is an unconference? That's a weird phenomenon that happens when you learn a new word. It appears everywhere. (laughs) Um, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, it's just kind of, it's kind of like an anti-conference. It's like grassroots, it's bottom up. So the planning for Nostrica was open source at as much as could be. Um, meaning, you know, we released a couple docs, made them open, people could comment, we would merge the comments that made sense. That's actually how I got involved. I was just the basically the mod on these comments, just like, oh, who's got I a see. good idea? Okay, yes, no, that's, that's dumb. And I kicked that out of the document and then try to not let the masses destroy the document. And somehow it worked like nobody graffitied up the the document with anything i mean it happened like once but we we returned it to its normal state and everyone was trying their best to make helpful positive contributions and suggestions and we're like okay this is great bottom up it only works to a point with events like i've worked a lot of events and uh you do need people to make decisions so it's like that works to a point another aspect that made it an unconference though was we let anybody talk. I mean, we let anybody who wanted to speak, speak at the event. Hmm. Nostrasia is just about the same. We've, I mean, we've said no like twice to things that just didn't feel Nostra related, but we'll vet people. And if it seems like you're making a good faith effort to contribute to this community in some way, we want to hear what you have to say. That's the whole point of it. I don't know, just because of the scale of Nostrasia, I mean, we've got over... 1,200 people signed up, it kind of becomes hard to hold true to that unconference feel right now. Yeah, yeah. That's a cross. So remember, this is a parallel event in Hong Kong and Tokyo. Okay, yeah. And virtual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but the attendance is going to be much higher than than Costa Rica. So it's going to have a more, I hope it has a more buttoned up feel in some ways, like still relaxing environment, but just more put together, like, I think the unconference in Costa Rica, you get a little bit rough around the edges feel when you're there for sure. <laughs> yeah. But well, buttoned up is definitely the Japanese way of doing things. It was actually pretty amusing for me to watch because um, I was hearing about the time I got onto Nostra, uh, I, I was seeing a lot about Nostrica, but of course I wasn't able to go. And then I started hearing that it was coming to Japan and to just see the. Um, well, I guess the my imagined collision of the Noster culture with with Japanese culture was was uh, quite something to <laughs> behold. Do you have any? Uh, I mean, you have a much more inside perspective than I do. How, well, first of all, how how did the the second location become Tokyo, and then how has that experience been of of bringing this this event to Asia? How did we choose that location? Um... We were sitting around grilling some steaks <laughs> with NVK, the organizing team, me and Jack in Costa Rica. And I don't know, Japan just sounded awfully nice, but there were <laughs> there were a couple other places we were considering, but you have to have people on the ground to help you facilitate, you know, if you're going to have an event in a new mm-hmm. culture, because you don't want to do a bunch of harm to that culture and you don't want to do things the hard way. So we had Wiz, we had a couple other people's anonymity i'll preserve that have put in a ton of work in tokyo to help with this event um and if they weren't there it wouldn't be possible similarly um for the nostrica in, in costa rica you know if lee 
and the people from Bitcoin Jungle, you know, his wife and, you know, Francis Poyo and people like this weren't on the ground there, it wouldn't have gone as well as it did. So on the ground support, but really from an idea perspective, we know that Asia needs free speech. We know that China needs free speech. We can't safely do the event in China. So we want to make a big statement. So we go to Japan. That's first of all, there's a there's a pretty big Noster contingent of users. Like there's yeah. a pretty big Japanese uh, demographic on Noster. They're kind of doing their own thing. Like I don't know. You're ex- do you speak Japanese? You live there, so I'm, I, I do. Yeah, and I I see the Japanese posts. And if anything, okay, they tend cool, to be the cool. posts that are not about Bitcoin. So maybe that is uh, right. uh, a, a reason for optimism. Right. And we we noticed that uh, back then, even. Uh, we were getting to know some Japanese users, like surveying different spots. And it's just cool that they have their own culture. They're not really integrating the same way. So it is growing Noster in a different direction. That's important. Like that kind of, it's not competition, but that diversity um, <clears throat> of experience is nice. So... I don't know. It just seemed it just seemed like a lot of fun and, and a very useful place in the world to go. Like we want to go where Noster needs us next. And if there's a Japanese community that we want to expand and support to help take on Asia and get people give some free speech to people in Asia, like let's do it. Sounds like a great time. Yeah. So tell me about the experience of taking it from that crazy idea around a barbecue to actually now, I mean, it really seems like it's going to happen and, and you have uh, over a thousand signups. Um, for context, uh, at my company, CoinPost, we organized a, a Web3 conference in July. And I mean, that was just such a heavy lift. Um, so then yeah. to see How you many guys, uh, people did you have come out? Uh, thousands, thousands. We, uh, we, oh, wow. we, nice. we big aimed event. big. Uh, for better or for worse. Um, but then to take that experience and to see you guys organizing everything around basically a, an open source uh, Google Doc, um, it was it was surreal. Um, but I mean, it, it looks like you, you've done it. So I'm, I'm just really curious about like how it all came together. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if we pull it off. I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty. I'm pretty stressed out. Everybody's. Everybody's pretty stressed. Mm. Coming down to it, to be honest, it's always hard. Like that's the nature of events. It's like nothing, nothing, nothing. Now you have everything to do. Everything yeah. in the world. Everyone's hitting you up. Um, this. It's been a good experience, though, getting to know the people on the ground there that can help me conduct business in Japan because they do it differently. There's like this whole flow that I'm, I've never been to Japan. So I was totally oh, ignorant really? of, um, yeah, yeah. I've never been there. You know, I've read a lot about it. I was kind of obsessed with it in my own ways and, but I've just never had a chance to go. So super exciting to me, but super, super fun learning experience, getting to know this business flow and just how much care and attention to detail and the way that you're, you're not just paying for a product or service you're paying for, this business to actually consult on your vision and make it better. Like you're trusting Mm. them almost as artists of their craft. That's how I feel. 
it's not it's whereas in america it's very cut to the chase like all right give me the quote like how much is it gonna cost no it takes weeks and many meetings and everything is very uh formal and just you know there's a nice bow on everything so i'm having the time of my life with learning it i think it's been it's been hard for the team because we're all really busy people Mm. um volunteers and we all have other jobs so it's been kind of like a nights and weekends sort of thing but we had more time so we only had two months for costa rica but for nostrasia we had i don't know like six months so that really helped us you know you just put in that little one percent effort every day you can get somewhere real fast with that so yeah that's just wild to me too i mean having having organized a conference as like a full-time job and then to to hear that you guys are basically doing it in your in your free time as volunteers that's wild yeah dude this will be my fourth conference that i've organized this year (laughs) this year wow we've got yeah yeah two nostrasia conferences two bitcoin conferences one in amsterdam one in miami one in costa rica one in tokyo (laughs) so it's it's a lot (laughs) It's insane. Yeah, Amsterdam, I, I would love to hear about that. But uh, we are probably running a bit short on time. So uh, stick with uh, stick with Australia for now. Um, what do people need to know before they come? How can they prepare? What are like the, the nitty gritty details? Just come as you are, and uh, be prepared to and have the time of your life and unforgettable experience i mean that's not just my biased testimony that is the testimony of basically everyone that attended nostrica mm-hmm. they just all had the the time of their life it was a blast and we're we're replicating that in a different way i mean tokyo from what i understand is one of the most amazing safest like interesting cities in the world you could ever visit with a a singular culture so i think no matter what you're in for a great experience and hopefully you learn a lot about Noster. And hopefully maybe some new, you know, friendships are formed and teams are formed and we get some new, um, new capabilities out of this as like a cohort. So very exciting. And it's free. Oh yeah, it's free. Uh, Jack paid for the venue. Yeah, he paid for everything. Yeah. Uh, it's free. Uh, there's going to be really good food, really good, uh, sushi. And we've got, there's a welcome party on night one, so make sure you, you kind of rest. It's probably best to get there early if you're traveling from abroad so you can adjust to the time. You're not completely out of it. Hmm. But That's program November 1st? Yeah, November 1st, the program starts at 9 a.m. It'll run to 5. We'll take a little hour break, and then we'll kick off the after party, which is just... I mean, you know how these conferences go. You don't have to plan much. These people are just going to network and start talking to each other and going nuts. Yeah. So we'll have some music. We're going to have a guy do a tuna carving, and he's going to bring in a huge tuna and Ah. uh, make sushi out of it right before our very eyes. So that's going to be super fun. There will be good drinks. Like We're going to do a traditional Japanese sake testing. So uh, tasting. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, I also saw there's a hackathon. Talk to me about that. Oh, yeah. Man, a lot going on. The hackathon's happening right now. Oh, it'll. I think it closes. I think it closed October thirtieth. So the way we did the hackathon was, it's virtual. I think we have like a hundred and eighty people, something like that, that are participating in it right now, and fifty to fifty-five projects that they're building. So that's been going on for the last uh, 
for the last month and some change. I think people can still join today if they want to tag on, make a contribution to a project, no problem. But, um, you know, we're going to have, we've got three categories. We're going to have winners. There's going to be a little bit of prize money. All the people who can uh, make it in person are going to, you know, have an opportunity to present their project on the main stage. So that should be super fun. Um, hackathons are important, man. Uh, people don't realize it, but, uh, you know, Mutiny Wallet is a result of a hackathon. Um, oh, really? Same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Came out of a hackathon. So you can get some pretty robust products and services. And if you go to bolt.fun, then, you know, go to tournaments, Nostrasia, um, you can take a look at all the projects. There's some, there's some pretty interesting ones. So I'm pretty excited about the hackathon. Would you say that the, these events tend to have a pretty technical focus or is there more, uh, uh, conceptual or philosophical stuff that, that a non-technical person can latch onto as well? There's a lot. We try to strike a balance. So definitely want to satiate all the builders and the devs. Don't want the devs to, to, to revolt. So a lot of technical stuff, but a lot of f philosophical and cultural discussions too. A lot of people... Uh, a lot of people presenting and just speaking on their experience, maybe they're, I guess to give you an example, at, at Amsterdam, I did a panel called Noster Power Users. None of us are, were particularly technical, but we could relate to the average like social media user because we just experienced Noster as that, like a social media platform in some ways. Um, that kind of helps bridge the divide. And I know there will be people who show up to this event who have never used Noster before. Um, it happened in the middle of the Costa Rican jungle. It's definitely going to happen in Tokyo. Hmm. So our goal is to have even 101, 201, 301 level talks for both Bitcoin and Nostra so that they can walk away with, you know, the right words to talk about it, but also just a, a good experience and a couple good touch points in case they want to join us, you know? So yeah, a little good, good, good mix of content. Uh, any surprises uh, that you can... Give us a, a teaser about anything that's not hasn't been announced yet. Um, I don't think so. Not at this point. Or uh, what are you what are you most excited about? I'm most excited to to see everyone and to hang out with all my Noster friends in person again. It's it nothing really beats that. I mean, these are people who are like pretty fairly aligned ide ideologically, so it's just like a breath of fresh air talk to them um and they're also talented and doing such interesting things that you just i never get bored with these people so you know there's that there's the food i'm excited for jack snowden fireside chat that's gonna be fun wow yeah um they're gonna do like a full full hour you know <laughs> unmoderated off the wall kind of thing so that should be exciting um i'm really excited to see what projects get presented by the hackathon and also to hear, do you know Pablo 7Z? Uh, I know his account. F7Z? Yeah. I don't know what his last name is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Pablo signed up to give like six or 10 different talks. <laughs> like, like he signed up for every talk. So I'm excited to see him try to pace himself to get through this event. But he's always got interesting things to say. Um, yeah, other big speakers, uh, Marty Malmi. I'm always excited to hear what he has to say. Obviously, 
you know, Will, Kassarin, um, Rockstar and Ben Ark is like a dynamic duo that like at um, Nostrica, they gave a retrospective, like kind of a, they gave the historical context for Nostra. So this is how it came to be. These were the kind of the emails that were sent. This is mm. when people jumped in. Now they're going to talk like their future vision for Nostra. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited for that one too. Actually, I forgot to ask, are the, are the sessions from Nostrica available online? Yeah, they are. We didn't have very much bandwidth on like editing or AV for Nostrica. So there's just the live streams from the days. So there's like workshop stage day one, two, three, main stage day one, two, three. It is subdivided out into chapters. So just go in the description and find the chapter. This uh, event, we're going to have proper post-production. So every talk on the main stage will appear as its own video, nice packet. And hopefully it'll be kind of a lasting educational resource, depending on nice the talk. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for, for everyone to come because, I mean, Tokyo, on the one hand, it, it's a big city. It is a big destination, but it often does feel like we're kind of out here, I guess because it's so far from the English-speaking world where a lot of these developments, whether it's Bitcoin or Noster, a lot of the conversation and development does tend to take place there. So like with my Bitcoin experience so far, um, we have a we have a nice group of people here, but in terms of like well known people, authors, or like the the thought leaders, I guess you could call them. It'll be like one every every uh, now and then coming through. But then this event, just so yeah. many so many well known names that are coming to Tokyo. Some like yourself, maybe for the first time. So it's gonna be wild, yeah. Are you going to be doing reporting on the ground? I mean, you're going to be really busy. <laughs> That's my so, plan. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's going to be awesome, man. Actually, uh, a funny coincidence is that, um, f- let's see, Nostrasia is w- November 1 to 3, and then actually 3 to 5 mm-hmm. or maybe 2 to 5 is uh, Burning Japan, like the, the Japanese version of Burning Man. So What? Yeah. Where is that? Uh, I, I'll be there for, I'll be in Japan then. <laughs> I want to do this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a, uh, it's a few hours drive. Let's see. South, uh, Southwest of Tokyo, I think. Um, yeah. It'd be amazing cool. to get like a bunch of people from, from, uh, Nostrasia to are, go to burning Japan. Are you going to this? I am. I'm on their website now. This looks awesome. <laughs> wow. I got to read more about this. That's what I'm looking for, man. I'm, I'm coming early and staying late. So I got to find some things to do. Awesome. My plan was just to buy a bike and do, do the city by bike. That's what I've heard. But Oh, yeah. That's the best way you know, to. I'm sure there's to, no end to of things to see. Do Tokyo. Good. Good to know. Good to know. Super. Well, I, I'm going to have to let you know when I'm there, man. We're going to have to hang out in person and get a meal. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, oh, I, I should ask, because we've been talking about Tokyo, and I've kind of neglected Hong Kong, but uh, um, any key differences oh, yeah. with the Hong Kong one? And is there going to be a lot of like coordination, live streaming between the two? Yeah, so the Hong Kong event um, is a lot smaller. It'll be It's more like a meetup that is going to kind of complement people who can't make it to Tokyo. So it's kind of like a sister meetup. Uh, there's going to be food. It's the same times as the Tokyo event, but the programming is more so 
you know, they're going to be able to watch the stream and it's more kind of networking focused mm-hmm. um, than actual content. Um, it'll be about one tenth of the people. The interesting thing to me is that most of the people who live in Hong Kong and mainland China who are coming to these events are coming to Tokyo. <laughs> so huh. that's just kind of a fun, uh, fun fact about the area, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. But um, yeah, we're, we're excited for the Hong Kong meetup too. They actually have a standing Noster meetup there, incredibly, um, and a, oh, wow. a, a budding community of their own, just like the Japanese side. So yeah, you love to see it, you know. Yeah, we really should get a regular meetup. I mean, maybe it exists. Maybe I'm just out of the loop. But uh, we have regular Bitcoin meetups. We should get regular Noster meetups going here, too. Yeah, yeah. I hope that I mean that uh, at bottom, that's like the goal of this event is, you know, people take our playbook, go forth and make their own events. Mm -hmm. We're working on wrapping things up in a way so that they can be open sourced. Um, But hopefully it inspires people to kind of do their own thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we just passed the hour. I don't want to keep you too long. So uh, any any final details you want to share? The event's going to be in Shibuya. Awesome location. Um, uh, any final details? And uh, where would you like to send people after this? Yeah, let's send them to nostr.world, N-O-S-T-R dot W-O-R-L-D. And um, feel free to register. Uh, you, you do need a Nostr account to register. If you can't figure out how to make a Nostra account, um, I don't know, get a hold of me on Twitter or something, or just show up. I'll, I'll make you an account at the door, and you can you can try Nostra for the first time at the event. But it's free and open to everyone, so we'd love to have you. Awesome. Alex, thanks so much for your time. Hey, thank you, Brett. Great talking to you. Okay, what'd you think of that? I thought Alex made a really good point that even though the early things being built on Noster resemble conventional platforms like Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, Medium, soon we'll start seeing experiences that are only possible because of the new technology, the decentralized network of relays. Just like the internet was just a digital replacement of analog things like newspapers before we figured out how to really leverage the tech, I think Noster will first facilitate uncensorable open source versions of things we already have and then eventually lead to wholly new things. But we're already seeing the need for uncensorable communication and social networks and optionality when it comes to the algorithms ruling our lives. So check out Noster, look up what the best app or site is for your device, and make an account. I put some helpful links in the show notes. It's pretty easy, and you don't need to give up any personal data to do so. Then check out Noster.world and register for the conference, or unconference, as it may be, and I would love to see you there. I think we'll have more Noster content coming up, so follow the show if you don't want to miss an episode. And if you'd like to help me out, a rating or review or sharing this episode with a friend would really go a long way. In any case, let me know what you thought. Thank you so much for listening, and talk to you again soon. GM Radio.